Hi, folks, and welcome to Weber's Whipping Post, coming from my office in Bourbon, Illinois. I'm Weber, and I'm both honored and delighted you took the time out of your schedule to listen. Today's podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Court Street Ford, now in their 40th year servicing Kankakee County. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbon, A., and check out that amazing GT in the showroom. Court Street Ford is open from Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-348-7024 or visit their website at www.courtstreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. Did you hear about the high school senior, Athena Ryan, a perverted transvestite, who evidently can't compete in boys' sports, recently won second place in the 1,600-meter finals in the North Coast sectional meet in California. This feat qualified him for the Girls' California State Track and Field Championships. The second-place finish, meaning there was a girl he couldn't beat, knocked out senior Adeline Johnson from a shot at going to state. What a crock. His father must be so proud. Just not right, folks. According to a Washington Post analysis, fentanyl is the leading cause of death for Americans aged 18 to 49. 195 Americans per day died in 2021, the latest year the stats are compiled. This is an epidemic in this country, and most of that drug is walking over our southern border. What the hell is the matter with our government? Hey, a shout-out to Toronto Blues Jays outfielder Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for giving his bat to that kid at the ballgame. The kid had a sign proclaiming he beat cancer. That's what professional athletes are supposed to do. With Senator Tim Scott announcing his bid for the presidency, and Ron DeSantis expected to announce any day now, the field on the Republican side is getting large again. So far, candidates announcing besides Scott are Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramsawamy, and Asia Hutchinson. Although I don't think he has a chance of a snowball in hell, Ramsawamy appears to be an excellent candidate. As of right now, I am still on the Trump train, but I wouldn't be upset if DeSantis were to win the primary either. I was looking over some of the other people weighing their options to run, and hilariously came upon Liz Cheney. This woman got slaughtered in her own state of Wyoming when she ran for re-election to the House. There are less than a million people living in Wyoming where she couldn't get elected to dog catcher. There must be some financial benefit for running. Hey, she could always have Adam Kinzinger be her running mate. The state of California has a $32 billion budget deficit, so typical for most liberal tax and spend states. By comparison, as bad as Illinois is, it is expected to be at $4.7 billion deficit this year. California's budget issues are not slowing them down any from continuing to ramrod reparations down taxpayers' throats. The math doesn't work, folks. It's predicted the reparations bill, in its current form, would cost the state more than $800 billion, which would put California at an eye-popping $832 billion on the red. Worse, San Francisco has their own reparations project underway that would cost over $100 billion. This makes me wonder if the long-term goal with this program is to get federal money to help them pay for this plan, thus putting all taxpayers on the hook. If that happens, other states will request their fair share, thus opening Pandora's box and causing major heartburn and resentment. The California Reparations Task Force approved their final recommendation, 
for compensation to black folks because of slavery to include cash payments of up to $1.2 million per head. That's not enough, according to Amos Brown, vice chair of the committee. He thinks each black person in San Francisco should get $5 bucks, guaranteed annual income of $97,000, and all debt forgiveness. It could be pointed out that California was never a slave state. There was no word on what they would do about the indentured servants' descendants or what to do about those slaves that were owned by black folks. In my mind, reparations are ludicrous, folks, and no more than a money grab by lazy people. People never owning a slave should not be forced into paying money to people who were never a slave. People can never go forward if they continue to look backward. I'm usually very highly critical of CBS's 60 Minutes news program, but they did have a great piece recently about how the Pentagon is victim to price gouging by military contractors. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. This is important, given they were awarded nearly a trillion dollars in Bonehead Biden's last budget. Half of that money will go to defense contractors. I'll give you just one example so as not to get too bogged down in numbers. In 1991, a shoulder-fired Stinger missile cost $25,000. Now it's more than $400,000. If half of what Shay Assad, retired from the Defense Department, says, his whistleblowing should make him man of the year. He would know of what he speaks because before he went to work at the Defense Department, he was an executive vice president and chief contract negotiator at Raytheon. Keep in mind, folks, all that money wasted could have gone into raising the pay for our troops and or helping our retired vets. Did you see that Bud Light is now buying expired cases of beer back from its wholesalers? This, of course, is due to plummeting sales over the perverted Dylan Mulvaney matter, now considered one of the largest sales blunders in history. Sales were down 23.6% in the first week of May, surpassing the record loss of 23.3% loss in the previous week. Hey, beer drinkers of America, keep up the good work. The recent Durham report, outlining how the entire crossfire hurricane action launched by the government to show fictitious collusion between Donald Trump and Russia, was highly critical of several people, many of which got cushy television deals. I feel it's important that people remember those names because all those people should be in prison for trying to control the outcome of an election. In my mind, they're all traitors to this country. Former FBI Director Andrew McCabe, who shut down an investigation into the Clinton Foundation and then opened the entire crossfire hurricane operation, got a job at CNN and a book on the New York Times bestseller list instead of a prison cell. Others similarly involved include former CIA Director John Brennan, who got a job at MSNBC, former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, who went to CNN, former FBI lawyers Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, who were having an extramarital affair at the time this witch hunt was going on and then got employment at MSNBC. This situation exemplifies our two-tiered justice system in this country. And yet, the government is still chasing Trump. Chadwick Moore, Tucker Carlson's biographer, claims that as part of the settlement between Fox and Dominion voting machines, Fox was to fire Carlson. Whoa. In a video release, Moore states... If that is true, it would mean that a small group of people who have a controlling interest in Dominion have managed to silence what is arguably the most important and influential conservative voice in the country, possibly until after the next presidential election. 
Tucker retweeted the video, so he's not denying it. This is going to get interesting. So who made the biggest mistake, Bud Light or Fox? Quick, what is Walmart's top-selling item? I'll go make a martini while you think of your answer. The answer, bananas. Who's buying all those bananas and what are they doing with them? Speaking of what are they doing with them, 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate is missing. A train car of the explosive was shipped from Wyoming to California. When it arrived in Saltdale, California, the car was empty. This was the stuff used in the Oklahoma City bombing. Perhaps they should have shipped it by truck. Tim Harrison returns. Hey, my new novel, Roll Me Away, has been shipped off to the publisher. This is the sequel to my original novel called Whipping Post. I hired an illustrator to come up with a book cover, too. Might have it in my hands in two or three months, in which case I hope to get it in your hands. I am now planning a marking push in which I intend to have the book signing parties at several locations. I'll sure keep you posted. Today's episode is brought to you by the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Company. You can depend on the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Company for nearly all your insurance needs and in many different states, too. Call the fine folks at 815-936-0075 for a quote today. That's 815-936-0075. Or look them up at their website at www.grinsure.com. Daniel Penny, 24, is the Marine that put Jordan Neely, 30, in a chokehold after Neely began threatening passengers on a New York subway, resulting in Neely's death last week. Michael Byrd, 56, is the Capitol Police Lieutenant, who shot Ashley Babbitt, 35, in the face after Babbitt tried to crawl through a window during the January 6th protest, resulting in Babbitt's death. Penny is being charged with second-degree manslaughter. Byrd was exonerated and received no charges. A reasonable person might ask, why our system of justice allows two different outcomes for very similar events, resulting in the death of another individual. Both Neely and Babbitt were involved in unlawful activities. Bird and Penny moved to quelch their actions. Well, the answer is that it has everything to do with wokeness, political chicanery, and the two-tiered justice system that is eating at the very fabric of this country. In the Babbitt situation, a naval veteran was an ardent Trump supporter. Like many Americans, she believed the 2020 election was fraudulent. Unfortunately, she happened to be expressing herself in Nancy Pelosi's personal fiefdom on that fateful January 6th day. In today's America, Trump supporters are looked at by the propagandist media, leftist, elitist, and the swamp as a pariah to be avoided or eliminated rather than as fellow Americans. So when angry protesters unlawfully knocked out the windows to lock doors at the Capitol, Babbitt attempted to climb through one of them, perhaps not her brightest moment. My sense is that she got caught up in a historical moment, as perhaps did Michael Byrd when he shot her point blank. Michael Byrd has had some moments that were not his brightest, too. He once left a loaded gun in the public bathroom of the Capitol. We've all had bad days. I don't think Mr. Byrd should have shot Babbitt, but. I wasn't there. I can't know what he was experiencing. Perhaps he thought he was doing his job, or perhaps he was having another bad day himself and tragically met up with Babbitt while she was having her own bad day. Neely, on the other hand, had a history of being a public nuisance due primarily to mental illness. He had been arrested many times previously, including a one-year stint in jail for clocking an older woman. 
He, too, was having a bad day on that fateful Monday when he began harassing passengers on the subway. It's my understanding New York City subways have become a cesspool for gangbangers, criminals, gropers, and the mentally unfit running roughshod over passengers. I myself wouldn't be caught dead in one, fearing I might die in one. I'm not crazy about being groped either. So when Neely began pestering people, up stepped a United States Marine to defend everyone in that train car, putting himself in danger to protect fellow riders. It's what Marines do. Penny put the offender in a chokehold to subdue him, which unfortunately led to Neely's demise. The propagandist media went into delirium mode in order to make the mentally deranged Neely look like a pillar of society. Why, did you know Neely could do great Michael Jackson impersonations? No word on whether Penny could walk and chew gum at the same time. But I digress. Regrettably, Penny was protecting those passengers in Alvin Bragg's personal fiefdom. So the corpulent Bragg, being the most biased and dishonest district attorney in the country, slapped manslaughter charges on Penny, who had to post $100,000 in bail. When I heard about it, I wondered when bail became a thing again. Neely's family is outraged. Protests were held in their honor. However, the family hadn't been outraged enough to make the tough decisions to either give Neely a home or have him confined to a mental institution so as not to be a threat to society. You see, Neely was also homeless. Back in D.C., Byrd was given the benefit of doubt and exonerated due to the circumstances in the Capitol during the protest. Why isn't Penny being afforded the same opportunity? There most likely is not one person in that crowded train car that would convict Penny of anything. They were all grateful for his actions. At the time of this writing, over $2.6 million has been raised in his defense. Justice is not blind in this issue. The results of those two actions have everything to do with politics, wokeness, and possibly reverse racism. That's not how the system is supposed to work in this country. If Penny is guilty, then so is Byrd. You could donate to Penny's Legal Defense Fund at www.givesendgo.com backslash Daniel underscore Penny. I'll say that again. www.givesendgo.com backslash Daniel underscore Penny. Well, this wraps up my time today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, please tell others. Invite them to www.weberswhippingpost.com where they can read my commentaries or click on the link to this podcast. So long, folks. Folks.